This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. To get 20% off off your Inside Tracker blood test, visit the link in the show notes or insidetracker.com slash fit cookie. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am Holly Samuel. I'm a registered dietitian, master of health education with a focus in eating disorders, certified personal trainer, and I am your podcast host today. We are continuing our micronutrient series here on the show in the hopes that you can learn a bit about certain micronutrients that are really important for runners. And in these short episodes, I try to keep them short. (laughs) Um, We cover what the micronutrient is, what it does, how much we need in a day, and some sources of it in our diet. And also, you know, why having too much or too little of it can be a not so good thing for our health and how to check on your own levels so that you can kind of personalize this to yourself. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite uh, micronutrients, which is a super nerdy thing to say, but here we are, um, which is vitamin D. Um, A lot of you have probably heard of vitamin D. It's been talked about a lot more recently because of its link to immune function with the casual pandemic going on around us. And there actually has been a lot more research on vitamin D recently um, because of its links to people having increased mortality or, you know, increased risk of contracting like COVID-19 and whatnot. And we're not going to focus too much on that today. Uh, We're going to focus on mostly why it's important for athletes. So let's dive right in. All right. So first off, vitamin D, which is also known as calciferol, is an essential fat-soluble vitamin, which basically means that we need to get it outside of our body because we cannot make enough to sustain ourselves um, and that it is best absorbed when consumed with fat, um, which also means that it can build up in toxicity levels a little bit easier than water-soluble vitamins, um, like vitamin B12, for example, which I know we already talked about in a previous episode. What does vitamin D do? So what's actually super interesting about vitamin D these days is that it's really considered to be more like a hormone in its function um, rather than a vitamin because it is involved, you guys, in like so many different processes throughout the body, which is why it's one of my nerdy favorite (laughs) uh, micronutrients to talk about because vitamin D is just kind of like the jack of all trades and the master of many. Um, It does a lot of different things for us. And without it, you know, we start to see a lot of kind of random health issues come up in people. So we'll dive into that a little bit today as well. So for those of you who like to understand the like vitamin D and just like physiology processes, Um, vitamin D does undergo two hydroxylations in the liver and the kidneys, which basically means that if you are not having, um, great liver or kidney health, that can also compromise your ability to absorb and use vitamin D properly. It's key function is promoting calcium absorption in the gut. Um, so we're not going to have uh, spoiler alert. We're not going to have a separate episode on calcium, um, in this series because you can't really um, do a whole lot with your calcium unless your vitamin D is in really good shape, If to put it quite 
like in layman's terms. Um, vitamin D really helps promote the calcium absorption in the gut. Um, and therefore then the calcium can basically do its job, which is to keep our blood calcium levels stable, which can prevent like cramping or muscle spasms, which is actually why, you know, calcium is an electrolyte. Um, but vitamin D is one of those kind of key factors that controls calcium's ability to be an electrolyte, which is why if you actually look at, um, like a salt tab, um, by salt stick, like those salt pills you can take while you're running, there's actually calcium, uh, sodium, potassium, magnesium, you know, there's a bunch of electrolytes in there, but there's also vitamin D, um, which is kind of a fun fact. So calcium, you know, helps keep our blood levels stable, which helps our heart contract, prevents cramping and muscle spasms. And calcium also, which you may know it better for, enables normal bone mineralization, which means it keeps our bones, you know, dense and strong and healthy like they're supposed to be so that when we do a high impact sport like running, they don't break down. Um, so if you are taking like, you know, calcium supplements or you feel like you're getting a lot of good calcium in your diet through, um, you know, dairy sources or you know, various vegetables or soy products. Um, that's great. However, um, it's not going to do a whole lot for you compared to what it could do for you if your vitamin D is not also optimized. And while they do, and they being the food supply, does try to add vitamin D to foods that have calcium to kind of, you know, help you out, um, it's, it tends to be pretty inadequate for a lot of people. So if we want calcium to work properly, we need vitamin D. Vitamin D also helps decrease inflammation. Um, we also see that it's basically involved in like having a strong immune system by modulating cell growth. And, um, you know, it kind of helps control the regulation of cell health too. And it can be involved in like cell apoptosis um, and reducing that, which is a fancy word for cell death. Um, I had to do a whole project in my freshman college year of biology on apoptosis and involved making a poster. So sorry, that's just super burned into my brain. Um, but anyway, we do see vitamin D involved in a lot of cancer research for this reason, because how cancer functions is that it basically causes our cells to commit suicide. Um, to put that in layman's terms, it means that the cells basically self-program apoptosis and they, and they die, which is why, you know, cancer is such a problematic disease because we're trying to figure out why exactly that happens and like what prompts that. So vitamin D, which helps modulate cell growth is um, heavily involved in cancer research. And I'll dive into that a little bit more later in this episode. So vitamin D, um, you know, is actually also super interesting. And one reason we think it functions more like a hormone is because a lot of our tissues all over our body have vitamin D receptors. Um, so clearly it's important if a lot of our tissues are essentially looking for it. So diving into how much we need per day, um, cause you're probably thinking, gee, it's in so many different processes throughout the body. Um, you know, and I'm hearing stuff about bones and I'm a runner. So I know I put a lot of stress on my bones. So like how much of this do I need to get? Well, the RDA, which is the recommended daily amount, which you'll hear me talk about in this series, um, for basically most adults, um, in any age group for both males and females is about 600 international units or 15 micrograms of vitamin D per day. Um, now that's not a whole lot. Um, 
when it comes to what I see athletes needing in a day. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But first off, know that for the general sedentary adult population, um, we need about 600 international units per day. Now, spoiler alert, um, there are supplements out there that go all the way up to 50,000 international units in a day. (laughs) So people's individual needs can vary quite a bit, which I think for that reason, let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode and see what your own vitamin D levels are um, and see how this sponsor might be able to help you figure that out because seeing what your own vitamin D levels are is going to really help you understand if you need a supplement or not and to what degree. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul, which is what we're all about here. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and also where you're not, especially when it comes to between different training cycles and in different stages of your life. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your unique body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or your Garmin, you can also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. Just kind of like having your own coach in your pocket. Pretty cool. For a limited time, Fit Cookie Nutrition podcast subscribers can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash fit cookie to get 20% off. And you guys, this is a really cool opportunity for you to potentially check your blood so that if you are learning about this micronutrient series within this podcast episode, you can just test your blood and see where you're at and then take some of these recommendations that Inside Tracker provides to heart to get you optimized. Now let's get back to the episode. So aside from supplements, um, let's talk about where else we get vitamin D from. Because back in the day when humans were living before supplements existed, we were alive, right? So it must mean that we got vitamin D from somewhere. So The most probably commonly understood um, way that we get vitamin D is from UV sun exposure. Um, This is how a lot of our food sources also come to have vitamin D in them as well. So this is kind of like the OG source of vitamin D. Back when humans basically lived, breathed, and did everything outside, um, this was a bit easier for us to get our needs from. However, now that a lot of us work indoors, um, you know, we know about UV also causing things like skin cancer. So we're like protecting our skin with sunscreen, um, UV blocking clothing, you know, and if we are inside, um, vitamin D from UV sunlight cannot penetrate glass. So even if you're in the sun all day, like my dog is next to me as I'm recording, laying just in the ray of sunshine in the room, not getting much vitamin D that way. So basically, um, you know, if you are in the sun between the brightest hours of the day, which are 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., which again is when most of us are probably inside at work, unfortunately. If you're in the sun from anywhere, studies estimate between five and 30 minutes daily, and your face, your arms, your hands, and your legs are all exposed in the sunlight, you may be meeting that 600 international unit requirement. 
However, again, like we said, if you're already deficient or if you just need more, um, this may not be enough. And I know for those of us in the Northeast, you know, we're probably not outside for 30 minutes in the middle of the day with our hands and legs and arms and face exposed to the sun because it's cold, right? Um, and the sun's not that strong, you know, in the Northeast in the winter. So that's kind of like our first way to get vitamin D. Other food-based sources, and I'm going to give you some numbers associated with them as well. So perhaps one of the best um, food-based sources of vitamin D is cod liver oil. Um, yum, right? So that's typically something people have in supplement form is my understanding. Um, but about one tablespoon of that does give us about 1,360 international units of vitamin D, which is quite a bit. Um Three ounces of trout has 645 international units. I'm a dietitian. I see, I've seen, you know, hundreds of people in practice. I don't know that many that eat three ounces of trout every day, um, but you can get vitamin D that way. About three ounces of salmon has 570 international units. About half a cup of white mushrooms has 366 international units. A cup of fortified dairy milk um, has 120 international units. And again, they fortify this because it has calcium um, naturally occurring in it. So basically the food chain tries to help us out by adding in the vitamin D since vitamin D is the key to calcium working properly in our bodies. And non-dairy milks like almond, soy, um, you know, cashew, so many kinds of non-dairy milks these days. Um, they are similar. They have anywhere from 100 to 144 international units per day. One egg yolk has 400, um, I'm sorry, 44, just 44 international units per day. And again, the vitamin D source is in the yolk. So if you're not eating the yolk, you're not getting any of that vitamin D. So again, like these are, these are food sources, but they're pretty low on average in vitamin D, especially compared to what most people are realistically going to consume in a day. It's probably not going to meet their needs fully. So this is kind of where we see a lot of people struggling um, to get enough vitamin D. And this is where supplements tend to come into play. So Again, I said that supplements have, you know, really anywhere from 400 international units per dose to 50,000 international units per dose, which you do have to get a number that high as a prescription since vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin and it can be, you know, toxic in high amounts if taken incorrectly. So just wanted to throw that out there, but Supplements can come in two different forms of vitamin D. So there's vitamin D2, which is ergosterol, and then there is vitamin D3, which is the calciferol. Um, basically, the vitamin D2 is derived from yeast under UV radiation, and the vitamin D3 form is derived from irradiation from lanolin, which comes from the wool of sheep. Um, or you can also get an animal-free option from lichen. Um, and if you are vegan or if you are wanting an animal-free version, that's something that you're really going to have to like look for on the label. There are definitely options out there. I have a lot of plant-based athletes in my various programs. Um, but again, basically most of the vitamin D that you're going to find on the market is not vegan. Um, and vegans are probably going to need to take vitamin D, especially if they are 
athletes and they're not really trying to make sure they're consuming like fortified food products and plenty of mushrooms. Since like we said, vitamin D tends to be naturally occurring in a lot more animal products than vegan ones. So um, just food for thought there. But both of these farms um, and the animal free option too, so all three really, can be absorbed well um, and can be effective, although some research does suggest vitamin D3 may be more effective for long-term normal blood level readings, but they both work pretty well. You are going to find vitamin D2 in a lot more food-fortified products um, than vitamin D3. So you can also take these supplements either sublingually in a liquid form, which gets absorbed basically right into your bloodstream in the mouth, um, or you can take like a pill or a gummy form, which does get digested and absorbed in the gut. Um, a problem that I see in a lot of people is that if their gut health is not doing so hot, um, or if they're undernourished, um, they may have trouble getting anything from a supplement in their gut. So I do tend to recommend a sublingual like dropper um, vitamin D supplement, which again, you can find at the link in my show notes in the full script dispensary that's there from third-party tested supplements. Um, but that is something that I recommend if you are like low in vitamin D and maybe you don't have the best gut health that you're working on. I also recommend that you take a vitamin D supplement that also has vitamin K2 in it if you do have to take a vitamin D supplement. Um, so much like vitamin D is the key to calcium working properly and as it should, vitamin K2 um, is another key to both of those working properly together. To put it in layman's terms, I don't want to get too much into vitamin K2 in this podcast, but um, I do recommend if you're going to have to take a vitamin D supplement, look for one that's got K2 in it, which is different than the vitamin K for blood clotting that we typically think of. Um, but the dropper form that I do recommend um, does have vitamin K2 in it as well. So now let's talk about like what happens um, when you are deficient or when you're getting too much vitamin D and also who tends to be more at risk. So according to um, like a really big nationwide survey that they do every few years called NHANES, um, most people are not consuming the recommended daily amount, which is that 600 international units of vitamin D. Um, of course, this can't necessarily account for how much they're getting from the sun. It does ask about sun exposure, but basically what they um, you know came to a conclusion to is that, huh, a lot of people are probably deficient in vitamin D if they're not taking a supplement. Um, so if you are deficient in vitamin D, if you're a child, um, you are going to probably develop a disease called rickets, um, which basically means your bones do not grow and form properly um, because they don't have the right amount of calcium in them because you don't have vitamin D helping you know your bones get the calcium they're supposed to get. If you are um, someone who is breastfeeding a child, um, that child's probably not going to get enough vitamin D from breast milk alone. Um, so unless they are, you know, in the sun a lot, which again, I think a lot of people are not leaving their children in the sun because they'll probably get burned if they're out there for a long time, um, you do need to give a child a vitamin D supplement. Um, 
if you are not a child, but you are, you know, you full grown, you have full grown bones, um, and your growth plate is fully developed, you may develop something called osteopenia or even osteoporosis, which is a more advanced version of that. Um, if you do not have enough vitamin D, which basically makes our bone density very um, not dense and makes our bones brittle. And then you can start to see, you know, more de deforming essentially happen in the bone. Um, like you might see older people like shrink um, or be hunched over and that can have to do with their bone health. And I know um, if you're in your 20s right now or your 30s and you're like, eh, I don't really care about that muddled. Um, basically your bones are peaking <laughs> right now in their ability to be as dense as they're going to be for life. And what I see often in runners, especially female runners, and especially female runners who are under fueling, which is about at least 40% of you estimated by research, um, you know, is that if your bone density is not optimal right now, it's only going to get worse, um, especially if you keep running on an underfueled body with a vitamin D deficiency. So it might seem like something you don't care about now, but it really should be because you can pretty much only fix it right now. Um, so your future self is going to thank you if you are paying attention to this now. If you do have a vitamin D deficiency, we can also see immune system weakness. Um, this is where a lot of the COVID-19 research has come in. A lot of people who do tend to pass away from COVID-19 and have increased mortality rates um, also had lower vitamin D. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of hospitalizations, um, a lot of people have low vitamin D in the hospital. I also think it's interesting because it's almost like the chicken or the egg, you know, are they hospitalized because they have low vitamin D or do we see them getting lower in vitamin D as they're getting more sick? Um, but our research does kind of associate immune system weakness with low vitamin D. Essentially, um, the cancer research basically concludes that um, vitamin D doesn't necessarily affect the incidence of cancer. So like, you know, taking vitamin D or having adequate vitamin D in your blood is not going to, you know, protect you from getting cancer. But what we do see is that um, having adequate vitamin D levels can lower your mortality from cancer by 13% according to studies. And there are actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of clinical research happening in different types of cancer patients. I'm not going to get into that too much because most of them basically conclude that it's inconclusive. <laughs> um, but know that vitamin D does have to do with your cell growth formation. So, you know, it probably isn't going to hurt you to have good vitamin D levels um, when it comes to things like cancer. We also see um, pretty inconclusive results in terms of research, in terms of vitamin D levels affecting your incidence of depression or depressive episodes. I think that's a really big one that's talked about right now. Um, but one thing that is super valid is that seasonal depression um, tends to happen in periods of the year when we don't have sun exposure and therefore are not getting vitamin D from the UV rays. So um, you'll see those like happy UV lamps, which do emit a bit of vitamin D. And you'll see um, mental health experts talking about vitamin D levels, especially in the winter when we're potentially not getting enough of it from the sunlight. So I thought that was super interesting. And I relate to that. Um, 
vitamin D can also interact with various medications um, and medications can deplete us of vitamin D. So you do want to talk to your doctor about potential medication interactions. Now, these are all, um, you know, kind of your deficiency symptoms, um, which are super, um, you know, being tired, not being as, you know, happy or wanting to do your normal things, maybe having some extra injuries, um, getting sick more often. Like these are symptoms that are pretty easy to overlap with other issues. <laughs> so again, this is why it is important um, to test your vitamin D levels to see where you're personally at and what your trends tend to be. Um, I find vitamin D is like a moving target in a lot of people, especially if you live in a seasonal place. Um, and especially if you do tend to do like training cycles. So you're not just in a constant state of like, general wellness, you know, light activity, you're doing like a marathon training cycle, and then you have an off season. Um, So you know, it is something you probably want to check every three to six months, just to see where you're at and what you need to change, if anything, to your routine. Now, vitamin D toxicity can also happen. Um, Again, I rarely see it, um, but we absolutely can have too much vitamin D. And typically that is going to come from when you're taking sub- a supplement dose that's too high for you. Um, I've only seen it one time personally in my practice with hundreds of lab values coming my way, um, but it does happen. So that's also something to be wary of because it can cause things like renal failure, calcification of soft tissues like your arteries and your heart, which is not good, um, cardiac arrhythmias, and even death. So pretty serious. You don't want to mess with taking you know, a high vitamin D dose unless you've been told specifically that you need to by a doctor or your dietitian and you're being very carefully like monitored um, every couple of months to assess if you need to change your dose. Who tends to be more at risk? Um, Elderly population tends to be more at risk. Those with darker skin tone um, tend to just get less of it from the sun. Um, So they, you know, by extension would be more at risk. Um, Lactose intolerance or plant-based people, because we're not getting those like animal-based vitamin D sources potentially from dairy products for the lactose intolerance component. Folks who don't have a ton of sun exposure. So if you work inside all the time, um, or if you're like working the night shift, and then you're sleeping during the day when the sun's out, or if you live in a place like I do, where the sun doesn't make an appearance for a couple months during the year. um, If you would have weight loss surgery, like gastric bypass, ruin Y or gastric sleeve, um, that is also associated with vitamin D deficiencies, because you're not going to absorb vitamin D because your gut has been altered. Um, When I used to work in bariatric surgery, vitamin D supplements are lifelong, um, like many with weight loss surgery. Um, Also people who are larger, if you are in a larger body, um, you just you need more of a lot of things to sustain that larger body, including micronutrients like vitamin D. Um, conditions that limit fat absorption. So like if you don't have a gallbladder and you have to have a low fat diet because of that, um, or again, if you do have like cystic fibrosis or other conditions that limit your ability to absorb fat in your diet just means you may not absorb the fat soluble vitamins as well, which are vitamins A, D, E, and K. And like I said before, breastfed infants, um, are not going to get enough from their mothers. So Well, athletes aren't necessarily an official at-risk category, according to um, basically the FDA, 
Um, you are going to need more of everything um, in your diet than the average person. Um, and if we think about athletes, you know, especially runners who are undergoing high impact activity, your bones are having to rebuild themselves to make themselves stronger every time you go out for a run and take a step. Um, so, you know, if you're not giving your body the materials, it needs to have healthy bones so that they can keep rebuilding themselves to get stronger every day. They're not going to get stronger and you're going to break. Um, so, you know, I do really wish that athletes were formally in this category because like I said, I, I very rarely see people with good or even too high vitamin D levels. Instead, I often see people with low vitamin D levels, um, and stress fractures can very much be avoided if they are in the right place. So let's talk about like what to check and what getting lab work um, for vitamin D looks like. So when we get, you know, lab work for vitamin D, they're checking the serum 25 hydroxy vitamin D concentrations in your blood. Um, and all of the measurements um, and numbers that I give are going to be in NG per ml um, measurements. So if we are seeing levels under 20. Um, basically, that's considered clinically low. Your doctor's going to tell you that's low. Anyone's going to tell you that that's low. <laughs> um, but, you know, for athletes, if we really see like under 40 to 50, um, that is considered not optimized. And therefore, you may be at an increased risk of bone-related injuries like stress fractures. There was a recent meta-analysis study on female athlete nutrition that came out last year in 2021 that did very clearly state female athletes, your vitamin D levels should really be above 50. Um, otherwise, you are going to be at an increased risk for stress fractures. So that was pretty clear cut and dry, which is a lot higher than that 20 number. So if your doctor is not specialized in like sports and athletes, um, or your dietitian even isn't specialized in sports and athletes, they may not know that, um, you know, because it is a bit more of a specific level to be optimal. Um, so that's what I personally look like or look for in my clients. Um, and my clients who use Inside Tracker do get that feedback right on the Inside Tracker panel too. I believe Inside Tracker's optimized range starts at 32 um, because it talks about males and females using the service. But females, if you're looking at your own results, work with a dietitian um, who specializes in sports nutrition for females, but know that your vitamin D level should probably be over 50 um, to avoid bone injury. We don't want them to be over about 100. Um, that's too high. <laughs> that's when we can start to reach toxicity. Um, so really, that, those are the ranges that we're looking for. And what research concludes is that it may be reasonable for most athletes, especially females, to have to supplement with 1,000 to 2,000 international units per day. Um, but again, you may need a lot more than that um, to get your levels up to normal and to keep them there. And you may also need less than that to avoid reaching toxic levels. So the takeaway here is get this checked. Um, if you if you can use Inside Tracker, it's gonna you know explain a lot of this to you <clears throat> and help you understand what the optimized range looks like. Um, but if you can't, uh, vitamin D is something that most doctors are perfectly happy to throw on your annual blood work for you. Um, and again, I do recommend getting it checked 
you know, at least every six months. Um, but you know, if annual is the best that you can do, um, oftentimes vitamin D is something you can throw right on your annual blood work and, uh, get checked. So hopefully (laughs) this wasn't boring. Um, hopefully this is insightful and helpful. Um, and you learned a little bit more about vitamin D and why it is important. Um, I thought this episode would get a bit long um, because vitamin D, like I said, is really complicated and complex and involved in a lot of processes and more like a hormone. Um, And again, it is a bit of a problem that I see in a lot of people. So get yourself checked out instead of guessing and, you know, see what it is that you need. But hopefully you're enjoying this mini series so far, you guys, um, and happy running. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.